You're listening to the Warrior Priest Podcast. This is the Warrior Priest Podcast. Midweek debrief number 26. And I'm the Warrior Priest, Donovan Riley. Something that I teach our children is that you don't fail unless you give up. So long as you don't quit, you can't say that you failed. We all struggle with fear. Fear of failure. Fear of not being good enough. Fear that if we fall down, we won't be able to get back up again. Or that there won't be anybody nearby to help us stand up again. And yet, when we look at those people that we consider successful, the reason they're successful is because they failed, sometimes catastrophically, and yet got back up. And more important than that, to me anyways, especially when I'm talking with my children, they still continue to fail. And they still continue to get back up. So however you want to measure success, materially, spiritually, therapeutically, one of the key factors for me and how I measure success is when I get knocked down, do I get back up? And do I understand about myself, about others? You're not actually failing, you haven't failed, so long as you don't quit. And yet I encounter people almost every day who have failed in the past, sometimes, again, catastrophically, and they didn't get back up. They don't want to get back up. They don't ask for help from other people to stand back up. They gave up. They quit. They quit in their life in general. They settled for good enough. They settled for the status quo and the trajectory of their life is to maintain a certain degree of comfort so that they can say, things aren't as good as I'd like them to be, but they're not as bad as I dread them being. And I just want to be happy. I just want to say it's good enough. But because of failure and therefore the fear of failure, they cannot face themselves. They cannot turn toward the simple reality of why they've accepted good enough. Why when they fall, they don't get back up again and why they don't want to get back up again. Because they'd rather be somewhere that's comfortable somewhere that's like a warm blanket than to get back up and to continue to be challenged and to struggle and maybe even suffer affliction as a consequence. But at least for myself, true success, a successful person in any walk of life is a person who even though they failed in the past, they fail in the present tense, and they know they're going to fail again in the future. 
they continue to get back up or they continue to ask others to help them get back up. And I think if we can keep that perspective, we'll recognize that failure is a great teacher. Failure does not have to mean I am a loser. I lost. So I might as well give up because it's never going to get better. That kind of pitiful mentality, that self-pitying attitude, I've failed. I continue to fail. It's never going to get better. I'm always going to be a failure. I'm always going to fail. So why bother? That's what creates victims. That's what creates pathetic creatures. That's the result of someone failing over and over and over again and not having heard the very clear, simple message, get back up. You don't lose. You don't fail unless you quit. Something that I tell new students, especially the first two to three months in jujitsu, for example, is that jujitsu is for anyone. Anyone can come to class. Anyone can participate in our introductory class to jujitsu. First class is free. The barrier for entry is almost non-existent. You just have to get up off the couch, get in your car, come to the gym, walk through the door, and sign a waiver. It's all you have to do. Jiu-jitsu is for anyone, but it's not for everyone. Because what jiu-jitsu does, what Muay Thai does as well, it exposes your deficiencies as a human being. Mental deficiencies, emotional deficiencies, and physical deficiencies. When I train, I learn through failure where my deficiencies lie at. And if I'm not willing to work on those deficiencies in order to overcome, or at the very least, turn those deficiencies into strengths, into my allies, then I'm going to fail and quit because I refuse to recognize where my weaknesses are, where my vulnerabilities are. For example, then within the context of jujitsu and actually Muay Thai, I have very flexible hips. I'm very long and lean. Therefore, a lot of my attacks on the ground are leg attacks. A lot of my attacks when I'm striking are teeps and leg kicks. I use my legs, I use my hips and the flexibility of my hips and my length to maintain control of my opponent when we're sparring or fighting. My deficiencies, though, are in my upper body and my age, and therefore the physical limitations of a 49-year-old man. My quick twitch muscles are not comparable to a 23-year-old or a 33-year-old. Physically, I'm not as gifted as someone with a different body type who lifts weights every day, who's on a training regimen of weightlifting and strength and conditioning. Therefore, I recognize where am I deficient? Upper body strength. Where am I deficient? Upper body attacks. The, 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 the power behind my punches. How do I overcome those deficiencies? By focusing on them. By allowing myself to struggle and to meet the challenge 
of my physical limitations in order to overcome them through constant training, through constant focus on my weaknesses and my vulnerabilities and turning them into advantages. Will I ever be as strong as or as quick as a 23-year-old? No, it's the law of diminishing returns. But I can use my wisdom, I can use my maturity and my experience to learn how to leverage my deficiencies when I go against a 23-year-old, for example, and use those limitations to my advantage. Use my length. Maybe I'm not, my punches aren't as powerful as my opponent's, but what is my accuracy like? If I hit my opponent in the right spot on his chin, I'll knock him out regardless of how much power is behind that punch. I just need enough power to connect with his chin and knock him out. How do I train myself in such a way so that when I enter into that that fight and he comes at me with his power and his quickness and his agility, I'm already three or four or ten steps ahead of him as far as the mental game is concerned, the fight within the fight I've talked about. How can I take an angle that he's not expecting? How can I short-circuit his pattern recognition of my technique to get him to drop his hand so that I can come with, let's say, a modified overhand lead hook and catch him on the jaw or the chin? How can I set him up for a lead teep, which then allows me to close the distance and clinch and throw an elbow or a knee and control that person? Because he may have better quick twitch muscles than I do. But does he have more muscle stamina than I do? Does he understand leverage? Does he understand how to enter into the clinch and maintain control within the clinch like I do? By focusing on our deficiencies, we overcome our deficiencies. And by acknowledging our vulnerabilities, we're also acknowledging what we've gone through in the past as far as our weaknesses and vulnerabilities, the hell that we've had to go through in some cases in our lives, struggling with addiction, struggling with bad relationships, struggling with a boss that is always using us to propel himself up the corporate ladder, for example. What we've gone through and the hellish experiences that we've gone through, but we didn't quit. We didn't quit. Rather, we recognized a vulnerability and we took steps. We made the choice to do something about those deficiencies, those weaknesses, those vulnerabilities, so that in the present tense then, we can look back at our history and say, I went through some rough times. I went through some hellish times. I was involved with people. I was involved in in jobs. I was involved in situations that were downright catastrophic and apocalyptic. But I'm here now. So those didn't break me, because if they had broken me, then I wouldn't be here today. And if that didn't break me, if the divorce didn't break me, if the custody battle didn't break me, if sobriety and recovery didn't break me, if having to switch jobs and move halfway across the country didn't break me, if the abuse didn't break me, well, then this isn't so bad. I can face this. I can even overcome this if I apply myself to it and I focus on it and I never give up. I would consider for myself personally, my greatest successes to be things that you can't measure tangibly. Sobriety, having children who love and adore me and trust me, being able to show up for my teammates as both uh, 
instructor and coach and a partner. Like those are the types of things that you can't really, for me anyways, you can't put a value on those materially because they're the intangible successes that I consider to be the most important. For me, wealth and success is measured by relationships, by the kinds of people that I am surrounded by, that love me, that encourage me, that trust me, that when they look at me, I can see in their eyes that they genuinely enjoy my presence in their life. And I reflect that back at them. But in order to surround myself with those kinds of people, I've had to recognize in the past the types of people that I was surrounding myself with were the kinds of people who were going to help me fail. They weren't the kinds of people who were going to help me locate and pinpoint my vulnerabilities and weaknesses and address them and overcome them. They were the kinds of people who were going to help me actually basically make a bigger hole in the fence line, increase the size of my vulnerabilities, make me even weaker because they were pathetic and I was pathetic. We became this mutual admiration society of pathetic people. When I was hanging out with drug addicts, there weren't too many conversations where we're sitting around saying, maybe we should all go to rehab together. Maybe we're pathetic. Maybe this isn't the best way to live our lives. It was usually the complete opposite. Very rarely would I have a conversation with someone who was another addict who would say, my life's out of control and I got to get my shit together. And even when it did happen, we would just go on using and drinking. When we look at our past and we look at how we've faced our fears in the past and how we've gotten back up after failing in the past, then in the present tense, we recognize, okay, I failed, but I'm in a different place today than I was five years ago, 20 years ago, 40 years ago. And since I'm in a different place, when my fears, when I'm confronted by my fears, when I'm confronted with failure, I fall down. I don't give up because I have a point of reference. And the longer I'm at this and the more I grow and I mature and I age, the more failures I have to reflect upon. And I can say to myself, well, that was horrible. And I got through that because I had hope. I overcame that. So this, this isn't such a big deal. Yes, this is catastrophic. Yes, this is destructive. Yes, this is even apocalyptic what's happening right here. But I've been here before. I've been through this before. So let's go back and let's remind that 16-year-old, hey, this is where we're going to end up because you didn't give up hope. And then go back and talk to that 28-year-old and say the same thing. And talk to that 37-year-old and say the same thing so that the 49-year-old can say to himself, look at all you've overcome. Look at all the failures you've gotten back up and walked away from. You never quit. Even when you thought everything was lost and there was nothing on the horizon, there was no future for you, you got back up because there was hope. And whatever it was that you hoped in, whether it was the hope of getting out of your house, whether it was the hope of getting sober, whether it was the hope of changing your life for the better, you always got back up. You always asked for help getting back up. You never quit. You never settled. You never allowed yourself to become pathetic again, to become a victim again, to say, oh, this is so terrible what's happening to me. Oh, poor me. How could this have happened? Why won't anybody do anything? Why can't I be successful like other people? 
you stood back up and you carried on and you addressed it, your weaknesses, your vulnerabilities, your deficiencies, and you overcame them. So that whatever challenge comes today, whatever struggle comes today, you know you can face it, you know you can overcome it. And even if you fail today, or when you fail today, you can get back up, slap hands, and go back at it again. What did I do? What am I doing? I, would, I was tested. And how did I do? You got back up, you passed the test. Well, what do I do today? Well, you're being tested again today. So what are you going to do? Well, I'm going to take the test. Well, what happens if you fail? Then I'll get back up and I'll take it again. Maybe today, maybe tomorrow, maybe five years from now. But I'm always preparing. I'm always training. I'm always readying myself for the next test. Meaning, the next time I fail. I was talking with my friend Spence last night, senior teacher for the intro class. The most important fights I've ever been in, I've lost. Because I learned the most from those fights. And usually, they were the catalyst for success in the future. Because I said to myself after I was defeated, I never want to have this feeling again. I never want to go through this again. What do I need to change about my mental game? What do I need to change about my preparations? What do I need to do in the moment to secure a victory and success rather than defeat and this sense of regret that I didn't do enough, that I wasn't prepared to the best of my abilities? But this is a key component for me anyways as well. You, the, the greater the challenge, the more you have to pay attention to taking care of yourself because the challenges will grow as we grow. As we overcome one set of weaknesses or vulnerabilities, we're going to dig deeper. And maybe at first those vulnerabilities and weaknesses are a mile wide and a mile deep. They're easy to spot. You're an addict. You develop this bad habit. You eat too much. You eat your feelings. You're stuck in a job that makes you miserable. You're in a relationship where you're just constantly at each other's throats. These are the big challenges, the big weaknesses and vulnerabilities that are easy to spot. But as you overcome those initial failures, as you get back up and move forward, you're going to also move deeper into your own weaknesses and vulnerabilities. You're going to discover things that you never even knew about yourself. And you're going to confront those and you're going to face those challenges too. But the deeper you go, the more you grow, the more challenging it becomes to overcome your own weaknesses, your own vulnerabilities, your own deficiencies, the more you have to focus on taking care of yourself. Because as the challenges grow, the, the damage that we can incur from those struggles will also grow. And so it's not just a stubbed toe, so to speak might be a broken arm, might be a, a bent nose, might be a bloody lip, whatever it might be. It's going to be something that when you look at it, you're going to say to yourself, well, that's horrible. But like I've talked about in the past, when I first started doing jujitsu and Muay Thai, and I would injure myself, I would just wrap it up and carry on. And I'd think to myself, ugh. I just got to make it through class tonight with this bump, this bruise, this deep tissue bruise, whatever it might be. But 
last summer after doing this for three years approximately, I broke my toe. I just taped my toe up and trained. It's only a broken toe. It'll heal. I just have to be careful with it. I treat my weaknesses and vulnerabilities the same way. As the challenges grow, I'm growing. But as I grow, I have to be cognizant. I have to pay attention and focus on taking care of my overall health. Because if I get sick, if I break and I have to heal and take time off, and it's all a consequence of not taking care of myself, not taking care of my diet, not making sure that I'm getting enough sleep, making sure I understand where my stresses and my anxieties are coming from and how to cut those off at the pass. As the challenges grow, if I'm not growing and not, I'm not taking care of myself and I'm not doing what's necessary to prepare for the next challenge, I'm going to get beaten down. And I'm not going to be able to get back up again. And all of that could have prevented if I had just taken care of myself today. I meet so many people as a pastor who are in their 70s and 80s and 90s who lament their physical condition. They've got arthritis. They've got heart disease. They've got one lung. They've got kidney problems. They've got liver problems. They've got fallen arches. They've got a bad hip, bad shoulders, whatever it might be, glaucoma. And they lament their state. And I would like to say to them, matter-of-factly, you are in the condition you're in because of decades of bad choices. You didn't exercise. You didn't take care of yourself. You didn't eat healthily. You didn't do what was necessary when you were in your 20s and 30s and 40s so that when you were in your 70s and 80s and 90s, you wouldn't struggle with these health issues, these mental issues, and even these emotional issues because you allowed yourself to be in relationships that were detrimental, that were toxic, that hurt you as a person, hurt your kids and drove them away from you and left you in the place that you're at today. All of this could have prevented, been prevented had you made different choices. But now it's too late. I don't say that to them because it's cruel. It's honest, but it's cruel. Instead, I listen. And I encourage them to get out and go for a walk. I encourage them to go visit their neighbors and make new friends. I encourage them to pick up a book. I encourage them to communicate with their kids and ask them, how do I set a podcast up on my phone? Can you set up my TV so that it plays podcasts? Whatever it might be. I encourage them to do what they can with what they have available to them. Because at the end of the day, like I said, let's say you're in your 70s, 80s, 90s, you've made all the wrong choices for most of your life, and now you're alone, and you're physically compromised. Maybe you're a little mentally compromised. You don't have a circle of friends. Your kids have moved away, and they're in different places in the country. Your spouse isn't with you anymore. But that doesn't mean that you failed so long as you don't give up. There's still something you can do, even if you're physically or mentally compromised. But you have to make that choice to face your fears and to overcome your deficiencies and recognize that success is not giving up. That we survived the worst days of our lives in the past. And we kept getting up. And we hoped in the face of all of the horrors that we faced in the past so that we don't have a pathetic perspective about our lives and about reality. 
but instead our past experiences feed the present tense in such a way that we can say to ourselves, I overcame that. I got back up. I grew. I improved. I got stronger. And I continue to grow and improve and get stronger. I continue to be challenged. But I refuse to see myself as a victim. I refuse to allow myself to see myself as somebody who's broken and can't be repaired. Instead, what I see is someone who's overcome a lot of failures to get where he's at today. And I'm going to fail today in ways that are possibly even imperceptible to me in the present tense that I won't even recognize until I'm down the road. But that's why I continue to train. I continue to discipline myself. I continue to learn to increase my neuroplasticity. If you don't know what that is, go look it up, neuroplasticity. It's essentially that we know now that your brain can continue growing even into old age. It used to be that they, you know, doctors and specialists would say, listen, you reach a certain age, you can't learn anything anymore, your brain starts to shrink, you don't have the same capacity mentally anymore than you used to when you were young. And so you hear older people say things like, well, I just, I just don't have the memory I used to have. I can't recall things like I used to. I forget things. The reason is because your neuroplasticity is contracting rather than expanding. So instead of reading books to learn new things, to watch videos and lectures, to listen to podcasts, to stimulate your brain with new challenges and new modes of learning, which increases your neuroplasticity, which, which helps you with problem solving, which helps you to be more spontaneous and to think more quickly, help you form your thoughts, retain short-term memory. Rather than do that, you accept these old wives' tales that once you reach a certain age, you just stop improving. No, that's not true at all. Continue to learn. Continue to challenge yourself to learn. Engage with people and subjects that you're unfamiliar with, maybe people and subjects that you disagree with, to figure out why do I disagree with this? Why am I not quite sure where I stand on this issue or this topic? Who is this person that's talking right now and why do I like what they have to say or why am I opposed to what they have to say? Well, what's this over here? Here's something that I'm interested in for no apparent reason. Let me go learn more about this because it, it just, it piques my interest. Oh, I didn't know that about this aspect of my diet or vitamins and supplements. Oh, I didn't know this about this aspect of my exercise regimen. Oh, I didn't know this about my sleep patterns. Whatever it might be in relation to work, relationships, or just life in general, we can continue to grow. We can continue to expand our minds to the day we die if we choose to meet that challenge. But the fear that our, that neuroplasticity will leave us that our minds will begin to close down, shut down. We'll start to lose our short-term memory. Our recall won't be as good. We won't be able to think as clearly and soberly as we used to when we were younger. One, it assumes that you were thinking that way when you were younger. And two, it assumes that in the present tense, you can't continue to learn and grow. But I think at root, again, it's we give up. We just give up at a certain point and accept, well, I guess this is just the way I am now. I guess I just have to accept my physical limitations or my mental limitations. When some of the most inspiring people that I follow on social media that I know personally are people that have been blown up in Afghanistan and Iraq by IEDs 
who lost both their legs or one leg or lost both legs and both their hands. And yet, after dozens and dozens, sometimes hundreds of surgeries, they made it through. They recovered. They used prosthetics to get around, to grab things with. But then they didn't accept the limitations of their injuries. They refused to become pathetic. And instead, what they did is they challenged themselves to do an Ironman with two prosthetic legs. They challenged themselves to climb a mountain with a missing leg. They challenged themselves to do things that other people said, well, you can't do jujitsu. You don't have any legs. Well, you can't do jujitsu. You're a quadruple amputee. You can't climb this mountain. How can you climb without legs? How can you rock climb without hands? And they figured out a way to do it. When I was younger, I was called a daydreamer and I was told that I lacked focus. I was too scattered. And that the things that I was thinking weren't useful. They weren't practical. And then I went to art school and I got scholarships and I leveraged my creativity. I leveraged my imagination so that I could go to art school. I could study music, I could tour with bands. And I did all that. And I still use my creativity and I use my imagination to this day. I just use it in a different art form, jujitsu and Muay Thai. All those people when I was younger who said to me, well, you're wasting your time. You're a daydreamer. Focus more on what we're doing and less on what's happening, you know, the reality that's taking place in your imagination. If I had listened to them, if I had listened to the school advisors and counselors who told me that I wouldn't amount to anything if I dropped out of 10th grade, 10th grade algebra, for example, shout out to Mr. Lunsford, who told me I'd be digging ditches if I dropped algebra, which ironically I ended up digging ditches when I was 18 years old. <laughs> but I think of those teachers who told me and put me down and essentially condemned me to a future without success, without personal growth, who looked at me and said, this kid will never amount to anything. He'll never be anybody important. He'll never be successful because he refuses to buckle down and learn the lesson the way that I've instructed him to learn it. Or because I didn't fit in with my peer group, because I didn't think the way that they did and I didn't ask the same questions that they weren't asking. Or the way that I thought about the future was different than my peer group in high school and even in college and how they thought about the future. Because of if I had listened to those people and if I had allowed them to knock me down and not get back up, then I would have probably killed myself by the time I was 24 or 25 from alcohol and drug abuse. I wouldn't have gotten back up. I wouldn't have accepted the challenge. I wouldn't have hoped that there is something better if I keep moving forward. At 45, I walked into a gym. It took me over 20 years to get out of my own way so that I could walk into a gym, which means the commitment I made to my coach to earning my black belt, I'll be at least 60 by the time that's a possibility. Most people earn their black belts when they're in their early 30s and even younger now because of the popularity of jiu-jitsu. There is no belt system in traditional Muay Thai. There is no measure of success by belt promotions in Muay Thai. And yet, I look at that and say, well, I don't need a belt to tell me where I'm at. 
I have my deficiencies. I have my weaknesses to focus on. They'll let me know where I'm at in my, my learning about this particular art. My opponents, the enemies that I, the enemies, the, the people that I fight will let me know where I'm at in relation to my advancement and my growth in this art, this martial art. They'll let me know. The person that used to submit me every 10 seconds, now I submit him. The person that used to submit me five times every minute now has to really struggle and try to even get me in a vulnerable position. The person that used to snap my head back with his jabs can't penetrate my guard anymore. The person who used to spin, you know, spin me up in circles and kick me and punch me and knee me and elbow me, now I close the distance and I control him. I don't need a belt to tell me whether or not I've grown. I just keep getting back up and I keep learning from my failures. I keep acknowledging my vulnerabilities. I keep acknowledging my deficiencies and I learn from them. And my failures in the past are what feed my growth in the present and what allow me to get back up or ask people to help me to get back up in the present because I recognize, like I said, past failures don't define me. They don't keep me down because I never give up. I get back up because I acknowledge I'll never fail so long as I never quit. So think about that today, if you will. Think about your own failures and fear of failing and how even the fear of failing prevents us from doing things that we're curious about, prevent us from entering into different new relationships, new jobs, moving to new places and having new adventures and experiences. That sometimes we don't even fail. We just are so afraid of failing that we defeat ourselves before we ever put our feet on the floor and take the first step. Instead of recognizing that when we confront our fears, when we confront our failures in the past and in the present, as we grow and the challenges grow, that's a sign that we've become stronger. That's a sign that we have a lot more growing to do and that we can get stronger if we keep getting back up when we fail. And then failing isn't such a negative thing. Then failure is your greatest teacher. And in a strange sort of way, you actually welcome that kind of discomfort. You welcome failure. You don't go looking for it. But when it happens, you say, oh, of course, there's failure again. Yep, I failed. All right, what, what, what did I do? How did I fail? Now, how do I get back up and overcome that? What led me to failing in this way? And how can I prevent that from happening again in the future? And little by little, as you survive each failure, as you get back up, as you recognize that your hope is not unfounded, you grow, you get stronger. And the people that are around you that don't get back up, that stay down, that don't ask for your help to help them get back up, you'll leave them behind and you'll find yourself in the company of others who recognize that fear of failure is nothing to fear. They got back up. They never quit. And they're the ones who are going to show up for you when you fall down. They're the ones who are going to help you get back up. That's why failure is not so bad at the end of the day. And that you have nothing to fear from failure other than quitting. If you don't quit, 
you didn't fail. You succeeded. Sometimes it's inch by inch. Sometimes it's mile by mile. So don't quit. Don't lie down and give up. Get back up. And if you lack the strength, ask somebody to help you stand back up. Ask somebody to walk next to you and support you until you can walk again on your own. But don't quit. Get back up. All right? That's all I got today. Thank you so very much for all that you do to support the podcast. We're almost up to 200 downloads per episode within like the first three or four days that I published the podcast, which is amazing. It was just two months ago. I was hoping we could get up to 200 downloads by the end of the summer. We're almost there. So please share the podcast with friends and family. Please like and subscribe if you want. You can support me and all the work that I do here for the podcast by clicking the support button at Anchor FM. And you can pledge $1 a month if you want to, to help support what I do here and and provide for this and other things that I'm working on right now as far as business opportunities. And yeah, I mean, that's the biggest thing though, is just promote the podcast on social media, share it, talk about it, and carry on the conversation after you turn off the podcast. That's all I could hope for. So thank you so much once again, and we'll talk to you again on Saturday probably. Peace.